I feel bad for some of you that aren't on social media. Sometimes I announce when somebody dies and you don't even hear about it and you're like shocked in church. But most of you know Rebecca Perdue, little angel, passed away this week. And uh, just a special little girl. So we want to pray for that family. Uh, I, remember, I remember when Becca was born and I went down to All Children's Hospital and saw her in that incubator. And I remember all the way from back home praying that God would spare her life. And God did. And he extended her life. Of course, she lived a lot shorter than we would want. But God was good in that. And she, she really was full of joy, full of energy. I said in a sermon one time that you know, Rebecca had Down syndrome, and we always think they're the abnormal ones. But I said in the sermon, Rebecca was the normal one. She had the good attitude. She had the joy. And she loved to praise the Lord. I, uh, some of you might know that first song we sang was one of Rebecca's favorite. About a week before Rebecca died, she said to her mother, Anna, Mommy, Jesus needs me. Jesus needs me. <laughs> How cool is that? And she had like a connection with God. And so we thank God for her. We pray for the family because it still hurts real bad. You know, I've been saying to people lately, whenever you get mad at God, and you question God, and you argue with God, at least you believe in him, right? Because <laughs> you wouldn't be mad at somebody you don't believe in. And God was the one that created her. God was the one that made her special. And God was the one that took, that took her in his arms. How can we be mad at him, right? But it is still hard for that family. Let's, let's pray. Let's pray one more time. Father... God, we pray for Anna, we pray for Mo, we pray for Shelby, all of that family, God. We pray you'd reach down and give them the peace that passes understanding. Surround that family with your grace. God, this last few years, we've lost some special people. But the good thing is, God, it's making us homesick. And we're not home yet, and we have to remember that. So be with those that are hurting and lost loved ones. We thank you for Becca's life and her testimony and her praise for you. We pray all these things in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so this week, if you haven't heard the news, we're doing two books of the Bible. We're going back and forth through Romans and the Gospel of John. So today we are on Romans. And I only looked at one verse when we, when we opened it up and kind of introduced the book. And now we're just going to look at the greeting that Paul gives. They always do, these New Testament writers do a greeting uh, when he opens the book. And so it's very basic stuff. It's stuff, if you've read your Bible, if you've been a Christian for any time at all, it's stuff that you've heard before, 
But I want to tell you, I want to be like Peter who said, I want to always remind you of these things. Sometimes it's so important just to get back to the basics of our foundation and the truth of Jesus Christ. So it's one long sentence, and it goes from verse 1 down to 7. Let's read it together. It says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all nations, including you, who are called to belong to Jesus Christ. To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. May God bless the reading of his inspired word. So I just want to go down verse by verse and... Talk about this greeting. Verse 1 again. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, the good news of God. Paul, we, we know, wanted to go to Rome. It was the happening place. And he wanted to go there because he wanted to start a church there. He wanted to get the gospel there. But we know that Paul was, at first, Paul was hindered from going there. He desperately wanted to get there, but obstacles got in his way that he he couldn't get there as soon as he wanted to. And what that caused him to do was write a letter. And thank God he wrote this letter. Because the New Testament wouldn't be the same without the book of Romans. And let that be a lesson because sometimes God will detour you. Sometimes you have desires for your life, good desires, desires that you might even feel that God has put on your heart and you will be hindered, you will be stopped. But you got to trust God because God's always up to something. And God was up to Paul writing this incredible book. Again, we already looked at this last week. But I like it. He starts out calling himself a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle. Uh, The word apostle is one who is sent. Obviously, he was a special apostle because he saw the resurrected Jesus Christ. But it just means he was a church starter. He was a church planner. Set apart to bring the good news of God. You know, we, we all can't be. We're not all called to be pastors. We're not all called to be missionaries. We're not all called to be Christian professors. But every one of us, you know what we can be? We can be a servant. We can be a servant. You have that choice to be a servant for God. And what did Jesus say? If you want to be great in the kingdom of heaven, what? 
Be a missionary. Be a pastor. Be a Christian professor. No, he said, be a servant. A servant. Humble yourself and be God's servant. And Paul had that attitude that he was just a servant. He knew it was about grace. And we'll talk about grace in this sermon, of course. But Paul was a servant. You know, you know how you know how, how good you're doing at being a servant? It's, it's how you respond when people irritate you, when people attack you. How you doing with that? You see, if you see yourself as a star, you're always going to be upset when somebody says something to you, right? I got cussed out on the way to church today. I, I didn't put my signal on fast enough for this guy, man, and he rolled his window down and cussed me out. And probably because I was reading scripture and praying, I had peace. <laughs> I'm going to church, buddy. Sorry, I should have got that signal on a little bit faster, yes. Now, we'll see how I do on Tuesday <laughs> when I'm not reading and I'm not praying, right? And see, this, it, it, it's such a gift that God has given us. The power of Scripture that, that ignites the spirit in us that he gives us as believers. And this is how we can be a servant and we can overcome our selfishness and our irritability and our complaining and our arguing when we learn to be a servant of Jesus Christ. Verse 2 says, which he promised beforehand through his prophets... In the Holy Scriptures. This is so important. This is why I, I titled my message, Old News That's Good News. Because a lot of people don't understand that the Old Testament was written for us to embrace Jesus. And people think, you know, silly people think because they don't study and they don't look for truth. They think that the Old Testament is for the Jewish people and the New Testament is not for Jewish people. The New Testament was written by Jewish people. <laughs> okay? Uh, Luke is the only Gentile. And, and God used the Jewish people to bring about the truth of the Messiah, Jesus Christ. Uh, Paul was accused by the Jewish religious leaders of the day who did not believe in Jesus, that he was preaching something new, something against Judaism. But he's making it clear, this, 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 this good news, this new news I bring you about Jesus Christ, that it's been there in the Old Testament. Open your eyes and see it. It's there in the first book of the Bible. When, when God says he's going to crush Satan's head through, through the seed of the woman, okay? Uh, woman doesn't have the seed. Men have the seed. But when Jesus Christ was born and God put himself inside Mary, he would be the one that would crush sin, Satan, and hell on that cross. So, Jesus is in the Old Testament. When, when we did Seth's father, Murray's funeral, we purposely knew 
that there were going to be Jewish people there that didn't believe in Jesus. So we purposely used the Old Testament. We used the book of Isaiah to preach the gospel of Jesus to a crowd that had Jewish people. And that's what, what we should do. Isaiah 53.5 says, But he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. Upon him was the chastisement, chastisement that brought us peace. And with his wounds we are healed. We are spiritually healed by the crucifixion and death of Christ right there in the Old Testament. Do you know that was written before crucifixion was ever even invented? Amazing. How did Isaiah know that? Because <laughs> God was moving his pen. And I could go, I could give scripture after scripture that clearly points to Jesus Christ in the Old Testament. So there's a lot of misguided teachers out there, even today says, don't waste your time with the Old Testament. They don't know what they're talking about. Turn those guys off, your radio, your TV, because it's all God's word. From Genesis to Revelation, it's inspired by God, and it's all about our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Verse 3, and this goes with it, talking about the scriptures, and it says, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh. Very important. It would have been very important in these days because the, the Jewish people knew their scriptures. Even though they were blind to a lot of it, Jesus said, you guys diligently study scriptures, but you refuse to believe that they're about me. But they diligently studied and they knew that the Messiah would come from the line of David. He would be an ancestor. Of David. It's interesting when you when you read the Gospels, you read the book of Matthew, and Matthew gives a genealogy that traces Jesus all the way back to David, all the way back to Abraham. You read Luke's genealogy, traces Jesus all the way back to David and all the way back to Abraham. The amazing thing about it though, when you when you start reading those genealogies, you'll see. There's different names in the genealogies, which causes some people to think there must be a contradiction. But there's no contradiction at all. God's a genius. And what, and, and what the Holy Spirit inspired those writers to do, Matthew traces Jesus through Joseph's line because Joseph would be his legal father when he adopted Jesus. And so it traces Joseph all the way back to David, all the way back to Abraham to show that Jesus legally was from the line of David. But what about Mary? Traces it all the way, Mary, all the way back to David and Abraham. Why Mary? Because it was the bloodline. It was the bloodline. So he's the legal, he's the legal descendant of David and he's from the bloodline of David. That, that, right, that right there proves the Bible true. Just, just that itself. And so, God the Son was descended from David. Now, think about this. Last week, we, went, we looked at John's gospel, and we're, we went back before the beginning. 
that Jesus has always been alive. He's the creator. So we went back to that to see who he truly is. But it doesn't change the fact that he also became a man. This is so important. He was the God-man. And he had to be a man. Why? So he could be the sacrifice for our sin. And so God came, became a man. You can trace him all the way back to David. 2 Samuel 7.16, the prophet Nathan said to David, Your house, your kingdom will endure forever. Before me, your throne will be established forever. God promised Abraham, all the nations of the earth will be blessed because of you. Why? Because through Abraham would come the Savior of the world, Jesus Christ. And now God's telling David that his kingdom would last forever. He's an earthly man. How could his kingdom last forever? Because the descendant that would come from him, the Lord Jesus Christ, the eternal Son of God, will establish that line forever. So he came from David. Verse 4, it says, And he was declared to be the Son of God in power according to the Spirit of holiness, by his resurrection from the dead. Jesus Christ, our Lord. Now the Greek word for declared, it actually means to, to distinguish, to define. It would be a better word than declared to be the Son of God. He was defined. He was distinguished. Uh, we get the English word horizon. When you look at a horizon, it separates the earth from, from the sky. And what that, what that saying is, Jesus, because of his resurrection, separates him from every human being that ever lived. It's the resurrection that proves that what he said was true. It proves that he was the Son of God. It proves that he was God in human flesh. We're going to see in John's Gospel... Jesus says, Jesus says to the religious leaders, destroy this temple. And I think he pointed at himself. Destroy this temple, and I will raise it again in three days. Now, who says, go ahead and kill me, and I'll raise myself from the grave? Only a crazy person, or only God, the Son of God. And that's what Jesus did. And so he did raise himself from the dead. I can show you scriptures that says God raised him from the dead, God the Father. I can show you scriptures that says the Spirit raised him from the dead, and that's the Spirit of holiness talking there. And there's scriptures that Jesus raised himself, our triune God, all working together. And that resurrection, it's powerful. We, I should preach that, this verse on Easter, okay? Because it's the resurrection that means anything. If Jesus did not rise from the dead... We could throw our Bibles away and go home. We're wasting our time. But we know that he's alive. And we, we have the eyewitnesses that witnessed him. And John says in his book, we've seen him, we touched him. The one who brings us life. So that resurrection is so important. And 
1 Corinthians 15 says he appeared to 500 witnesses. 500 witnesses, and it changed human history. And those disciples who were hiding behind locked doors, scared for their lives, went right into Jerusalem and started preaching the gospel, telling them Jesus is alive. Why? Why were they so afraid they were going to die and be crucified and then go out into the city? Because they, were invin they felt invincible. Because now that Jesus has rose from the grave, they knew they were going to rise from the grave one day too. Boy, man, I wish we could have that invincible feeling like those apostles did. I think God wants us to have it. I think he wants to fill us with our spirit that, 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 that we do know that we are invincible until God's time is up for us. And God has purpose in all things. And even those that God has taken early from us, God has purpose in all that. And we all, we just have to learn to trust him. Verse 5 says, Through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among the nations. We'll talk about grace at the end. But Paul says, Jesus has given us grace and apostleship calling me to be a church planner, to start churches. I like that, the way that word we, because I really think we're all to be part of it. Paul, yes, he took the gospel to Rome. And Paul planted churches. And the early church did a great work for Jesus Christ. But we're still going on today. And we're part of it. You're part of it. And if you are a member of this church, you're a part of sending God's great news out. We're all in this together. Somehow we've got we've to grasp that. That would give us more, more of an excitement to be involved in our church, knowing, knowing that lives are being transformed. God is doing many great things. I also like the way it says, the obedience of faith. The obedience of faith. Um, we're not saved by our obedience because we all disobey at times. We all struggle. We're saved by faith, but faith produces obedience. And, but he's really talking about being obedience in the faith, the faith of Jesus Christ. Do you have a desire to be obedient in these matters for the names for his name's sake among the nations because God is worthy of it is is God not worthy of us for all that he's done for us for us to be a servant for us to be obedient to the faith that he's called us to Hebrews 11 call it the hall of faith because it talks about all the great patriarchs and people of faith in the Bible who had faith. And it'll say, by faith, Noah did, by faith, Abraham, right? We were talking at my home group on Monday night. We were talking about it. And you know what's so interesting about Hebrews chapter 11 and talking about the people's faith is all these people had flaws. They all did some stupid things. Yet God doesn't 
put any of their flaws in that chapter. All he talks about is their faith. It's like all God sees is their faith. He sees your heart. He sees your faith. He doesn't see your flaws because they've been, your flaws have been wiped away at the cross of Jesus Christ, the grace of Jesus Christ. And I mean, I think, man, if we could just get that, wouldn't we rest in God a little more? Because all we do is see our flaws. All we do is see the times we fail. And when, sometimes we feel like a lousy Christian. But it's the faith that God sees. It's the faith in his work. It's the faith in what he wants to do in our life. And if we could grasp that, it would give us such more motivation. Samson, Samson is in that chapter. Have you ever read the story of Samson? I mean, he sounds like a total unbeliever. The stuff he does, well, he does one thing. He does one thing at the end of his life, prays to God and pushes down the temple on himself and the Philistines. God's will was done in his life. But I mean, I, he doesn't have any of his flaws. By faith, Samson. God saw his faith. And even though it was little, it, it, did, it did what God wanted to accomplish in his life. Now, I know some of you think, yeah, I'm going to be like Samson. I'm just going to live a wild and crazy life, but then when I get on my deathbed, I'll ask God to save me. Well, keep this in mind. Samson ended up in prison with his eyes gouged out. So if you want to go that route, go ahead. I don't want to go that route. Obedience is a beautiful thing. Obedience is refreshing, and we do this because of faith, not because we have to, but because we want to, because our God is such a good God. Verses 6 through the first part of 7 says, it says, including you who are called to belong to Jesus Christ, to those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints. That's awesome. I mean, I'm going to think when they read that letter, it just encouraged them. Because whatever problems they were going through, and there were a lot of problems in the church of Rome, and there was a lot of persecution on that church. And, and many of them had, many of the Jewish people, because they came to Christ, lost their jobs. And, but through it all, I mean, they get this letter, and Paul's saying, you belong to Jesus. And those of you, you are loved by God. And I'm going to tell you something. When God loves you, he calls out to you. Are you hearing it? Are you listening? Some people, they just, they run from God forever. They know God's after them, and they just keep on running in their misery. Will you let God catch you for crying out loud and stop running and come to him and receive his grace and receive his peace that Paul's going to talk about here in a minute? When God loves you, he calls out to you. When Adam and Eve first sinned, right there, see the gospel. Adam and Eve sinned against God. What did God do? Adam, where are you? Where are you, man? 
Did God not know where Adam was? Of course he knew. Of course he knew he was hiding. But he called out to him to say, come back to me, Adam. I'll forgive your sin. And that was the first animal sacrifice, you remember? You know why, you know why God clothed them in animal skins? Because it was a picture of the cross. He sacrificed probably a lamb that was a picture of the blood that would be shed for Adam and Eve's sin and for everybody else, all the sinners that would be born from them. But God loved Adam and Eve. And you know what? If you've got children, I always tell people when their children go astray, you know God's children went astray. <laughs> but he chased after them. And he covered their sin and forgiven their sin. And I don't know where you're at today, but has God been calling out to you? Where are you? <laughs> that's, what, that's what it was like me when I first started going to church. Frank, where are you, man? And it was so loud and so clear. And I'm so glad I surrendered. Today can be your day. Surrender to Christ. Give it all to him. He's so worthy of it. And he loves you. And he calls out to you. And he wants to make you a saint. Did you notice that? He calls everybody in the church a saint. See, we think there's special people in the world. Like, you know, I always say, my mother-in-law's a saint. My mom's a saint. My wife's a saint for putting up with me for 40 years, right? But we're all saints. God makes us into a saint by his grace. You're either a saint or you're an ain't. There is no in-between, right? So if you're a saint, receive it. It's, it's, it's a gift to you that you belong to him, that he loves you, and he sets you apart for his purpose. This is, all, this is old news, but it is good news. It's refreshing to be reminded of these things. And the, final ver the last part of verse 7 says this. Paul always uses this phrase. I don't know, does it get tired of you? You get tired of seeing this verse? Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. I never get tired of it. I don't care how many times Paul repeats it. And we're going to talk about it every time. I'm never going to skip over it. Because it's amazing grace that God gives us. And by the way, I want to tell you this. Until you get the grace, you will never get the peace. You got to you got to receive the grace. There's nothing you can do to earn it. You can keep trying harder all you want to. And you'll try harder to do better until you go to your grave. And, you, and you're just going to have to bow your heart before God and say, God, I can't try anymore. I, God, I can't do better anymore. I've tried. Please give me your grace. And he'll shower you with it. And that will lead to peace. Grace is everything for nothing for those who don't deserve anything. And here's a lot of our problems. We still think we deserve something. We still think that we're better than somebody else. And so we don't, we don't fully get the grace that leads to peace. It's like that guy cussing at me today, you know? Man, I got, I got God's grace. I got God's grace. Who am I to be upset? I deserve to get cussed at. I don't deserve anything. Do you, what do we, but, 
It's only about grace. The grace of God that will give you peace. Pride will ruin your peace. And even as a Christian, you know, we, we, we wake up, we're during the day, we're having a bad day, you know, and we decide, you know, I'm going to pray, I'm going to pray. So we start to talk to God, we start to ask God for help, and the enemy comes to us and says, oh, you're going to pray now? Where have you been all day? Uh, you didn't read today, you didn't do any devotions today. So now you're going to pray, Mr. Prayer Guy? And, and you just, you, you, you listen to these thoughts, and you beat yourself down, and you feel like, I'll never be good enough for God to answer my prayers. And the truth is, you won't. So the next time Satan tells you how lousy you are, just, you know, I don't like talking to Satan, but thank God. Thank God that... We can't do better. We can't. We're always going to fail. We're always going to fall short. So we've got to take the grace and run with it. And run with it. And when we get the grace, it gives us peace. Romans 5. We get to Romans 5. We have peace with God. We're not at war with God anymore. So why do we think we're still at war? Trying to earn God's peace. And once we experience that peace, we can lead to the great. See, we already have peace. We already have peace positionally with God. Now we can have peace. Uh, I can't even say the word. Uh, we can experience it. We can experience it by faith when we live for God's grace. You know, you guys remember the story last year. I told you that I had a rattlesnake on my porch. And the reason I, how I knew it was a rattlesnake because he was rattling real loud. I opened the door and I heard it and I was like, and I screamed for my dog. My dog was right in his face, right in his face. And some of you were surprised because, I guess because he didn't bite my dog, I put him in a box and I didn't kill him. And I'm gonna tell you something. I like snakes more than I like rats. Those snakes eat rats, okay? And if you knew anything about rats, I did a study on rats in the book of Revelation one time. It's, rats aren't cool. You, you, snakes are good. Snakes are good. But, you know, so I don't know. I don't know. What, what, what was it? I mean, that snake had nothing to offer me. He's poisonous. He has nothing, he, you know, he could have tracked himself back to my house. But I decided to put him in the box and take him way out in the woods as far as I could and let him go. He wasn't that big of a snake. His rattle was loud, though. <laughs> and, you know, some of you say, man, that's grace. It's not grace. That's mercy, okay? Grace would be I let him live in my house. <laughs> Grace would be, I give him his own bedroom. I, I go to the pet store and buy him a bunch of mice that he can eat and lavish him with gifts and love. You know, if you could, if you, 
thought of this. If you could take the fangs out of a rattlesnake and the poison out of them, they'd be a great toy for your dog, for your kids, wouldn't they? As long as they didn't have fangs and poison. But do, do, you, do you get what I'm trying to say in this silly illustration? Is that's what grace is. God chooses, chooses not to kill you, not to punish you, not to send you away for all of eternity because you are poisonous. You know Romans 3 is going to tell us that? We're poisonous. We have poisoned mouths, poisoned mind. But because of the grace of Jesus Christ, not only are we not going to be punished, but we're going to God's house. And he's taking us in. And he's going to lavish us with love for all of eternity. All of eternity. Take the grace. Understand the grace. And yes, it's amazing. They wrote a song about it. Sing it. Live it. Please pray with me. Please pray with me. We... Uh, Kids are going to sing for us today. I love it when those kids sing. But in this moment, in this moment, talk to God. Do not sit here and think, I can't talk to God because I've been terrible this week. I've been sinning all week long. Don't you do that. Just say, God, just say, God, God, I'm so sinful. God, why do you love me? God, help me to embrace your grace. I have faith in what you did for me. I can't do enough. Lord, shower me with your grace. Thank you for your mercy, God. Thank you that, that grace, what grace means. Call out to him right now. Christian, if you're struggling, if you're struggling... Hey, your sins are already forgiven, past, present, and future. But confession is good for the soul. And if you're struggling, confess your sin. It's like you don't have to, once you're saved, you're saved. It's a done deal. But it's almost like going back to that first day and just saying, Jesus, Jesus, save me from myself. Help me, God. Help me to let myself go. Lord, lead me with your spirit. Guide me with your truth. Give me a desire and a hunger for the word of God. Lord, make me into a servant. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for the gospel, the great news, and, and Lord God, help me to be a part of spreading it. Father God, thank you for today. Thank you for this powerful book of Romans. And Lord, just looking at this greeting that's so basic, so much good stuff in it, Lord. God, I pray for our church. I pray, God, that we would be so committed to you and so committed to each other. And God, our commitment will come because of grace that we'll want to do this, God. It'll be joy to serve. It'll be joy to give. It'll be joy 
to sacrifice ourself for others and for your kingdom. Give us that desire, Lord. Change our hearts. So much in this world distracts us from your truth. I pray, God, that you would do a great work in our church. Thank you for the work you've already done. Thank you for the work you're going to continue to do. We pray all these things in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Amen.